Welcome to the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths Podcast. Join us as we speak the truth about home ownership, the housing market, and the place we call home, Hamilton. Come on in and make yourself comfortable. Welcome back, listeners, and thanks for pressing play on this episode of Lodge's Home Truths Podcast. I'm Jeremy O'Rourke. I'll be your host. I'm Managing Director of Lodge Real Estate. Today, We're talking about a somewhat contentious step in the buying process, the building inspection report. There are those of us in the industry who are well-versed in the process of getting a pre-purchase inspection and why we should be getting one, but there are a lot of people out there who don't quite believe in them or don't think they're entirely necessary. And we're here today to set the record straight on that. I'm joined by two experts in both the building and the real estate industries. Ryan Goldbranson, a Hamilton-based building inspector with Know Your Building, and Neil Archer, a former builder and now residential and lifestyle consultant with Lodge Real Estate. Welcome to you both. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me here today. As always, before we get started, we're going to do the two truths and a lie segment. I know you both have uh, prepared three statements, two of them being the truth and one of them being pure fiction. So maybe if we can kick off with uh, you, Ryan, first, what are the uh, three statements that you've got? And at the end of the show, we'll uncover which one is, in fact, a lie. My first statement is your bank may stipulate that you have to get a building inspection report. Uh, My second statement is your report can help you get things identified, fixed or repaired. And my last statement, building reports are all the same. It doesn't matter who you use. As long as they're a building inspector, everything will be fine. Well, we'll uh, uncover which one of those is fiction at the end. And if I can have your three statements, please, Neil. Okay. My first one, a building inspection will highlight any structural defects, items requiring attention, and any high moisture readings. The second one, building inspection costs are minimal in comparison to then discovering what you purchased has major building issues present. And lastly, a building report will include cost estimates to fix or repair highlighted issues. Thanks, Neil, and we'll look forward to hearing which one of those is fiction at the end. So just going to uh, jump right in here. Ryan, it's fair to say you've done your fair share of building inspections over the years, and the industry has really evolved over the last 10 to 20 years. Certainly when I started, there was no such thing as a building inspection company. So what's changed? Well, I think what's changed is, you're right, it's gone from you get your dad or your mate or someone who who you know is a builder to come along and and have a general look and tick that box. Certain events that have happened over the last, I guess, 20 years have led to banks ensuring that uh, their lending is, is, I guess, protected. And instead of just somebody coming along and saying, hey, yeah, it's fine, uh, it's become a lot more regulated as far as needing to actually provide written evidence from someone who's actually qualified to do that job. Yeah, so what you're saying is it's no longer, because of some of the issues that have been uncovered and and banks being aware of them, the industry has had to become a lot more professional rather than just having Dad taking a quick look underneath the house and taking a look at the roof and, and away you go. So how have you seen the building industry, inspection industry, professionalise over the last few years? The biggest change has been that requirement for, uh, especially from banks, for the person carrying out the inspection to tick off certain aspects of a house. So a few years ago, the leaky home syndrome of the 90s was a classic example of having somebody 
qualified to be able to identify key issues or areas of risk on a house. Because if you're lending, you're looking at the risk of lending, aren't you? So anybody who's lending an excessive amount of money wants to know that that lending is protected. So we've seen over the last, uh, especially in my time, so I've been operating now for seven years, even over those last seven years, banks are becoming a lot more stricter on who carries out those inspections and what their relevant qualifications are. And I guess from a purchaser's point of view, you know, they're putting forward a lot of their own hard-earned money and they want to know that uh, what they're buying is what they think they're buying. And I guess a building inspection company is able to dig a little bit deeper into what are the external signs that may actually give us a clue that there might be not something quite correct. That'd be right? Yeah, absolutely right. And through training, through experience, we have the relevant tools, we have the relevant information, we have a clear idea of what specifically we are looking at. So whilst your friend, whilst your mate or whatever may have a good idea from experience of owning a home over the last 30, 40 years, those specific areas that the banks really want to make sure are safe and and are protected or, or whatever are looked after. Righto. So I'm a first time buyer and it's the my first offer. What advice can you offer in terms of the building inspection and why should they be getting a building inspection done, particularly for those people who it's the first time that they're actually making an offer on a property? I guess the biggest thing for us is knowing what you're buying. Every house has some form of issue or every house has an area of maintenance that's required on it and houses can't just be left for 30 years and and never touched. So the important thing for a first home buyer is to actually know what they're getting into. In most cases, everybody's spending their last dollar to get this investment and I guess the key thing for us is are they aware of issues that may arise later on or maintenance that needs to be carried out later on so that they can actually either put together a maintenance plan or they can have that money set aside to address those issues. Because as I say, every house needs some form of maintenance over its lifespan. If it's a two-storey home, for example, that you can't access that second level, well, you're going to have to get a contractor in to safely access that area to clean it. And that comes with the cost, especially with health and safety regulations now around edge protection and fall risk and all those sorts of things. So it can be an expensive exercise. So what you're doing is you're not just buying the house at face value of $650,000. There is actually another cost that's involved with maintaining. And we often say ensuring that your home remains an asset and doesn't become a liability because you actually want to sell that in either A, the same condition or a better condition later on, so you make an investment. What I'm hearing here is that we've got two key reasons for getting a building inspection. The first is, hey, listen, let's know what you're getting and know if there's anything which is going to undermine the property itself, you know, rotting piles, is it leaky building, those sorts of things. So there's a real asset protection side of things. And then there's this eyes wide open, what are the maintenance costs and the ongoing costs of maintaining this property over time? That's what we're saying. Yeah, absolutely. Because as, as you say, the, the purpose of a building inspection report as well is to identify any current issues that the vendor is not aware of or hasn't made you aware of. So within that, it gives the buyer the opportunity to look at these issues and then make decisions around whether A, they want to take them on themselves or B, maybe they want to go and talk to their agent or solicitor and say, hey, our building inspectors actually identified these issues. These haven't been raised to us previously. We would like them either repaired or addressed, or maybe there's uh, some financial agreement or compensation that they can also address to say, well, hey, this is going to cost us X amount to repair. We'd like you to take that off the asking price. 
Okay, so what exactly does a property inspection look at? Uh, So we look at uh, not just the house, and I think that's probably one thing that some people aren't aware of. It's not just the house itself, it's also the property. It makes a big difference where the house actually sits, whether it's at the bottom of a gully or at the top of the hill. And unfortunately, recent events within the North Island, especially over the Hawke's Bay, have identified the importance of knowing actual ground levels and vegetation and things like that. Uh, Where does water go if water was to build up? So we look at the property itself. We get underneath the house and we look if we can get under. Obviously, if it's built on piles, we look at the exterior cladding. We get into the ceiling space. We look on the roof and then we go inside as well and we have a look at. The main thing, Jeremy, is how is the house performing? What is the current state of it and how is it performing and why is it performing like that? We all live differently. We all treat our homes differently and we all have different levels of cleanliness and maintenance. But generally, how is that house performing? Now, if I go into a house and all the windows are are closed and curtains are closed and it's a, a beautiful, crisp, cool winter's morning in Hamilton, it's usually damper. Well, if that house isn't getting any airflow, if curtains are never open, it will be a damp house. It doesn't mean that it's leaking doesn't mean that there's necessarily major issues outside, it's just the way that it's being lived in. So our job is to turn up and form an opinion, and that's what it is, it's an opinion from a professional on what is the current state of the house, are there any visible significant issues, defects or damage that people need to be aware of, and overall I guess what are the maintenance requirements on that home. And look, we check doors, windows, showers, we run taps, we're not electricians, we're not plumbers, but we do test these areas to see if there are current signs of issues. And if there are, what are those issues and what needs to be done about it? Okay. So if I can just pick up on a point there, are there any common issues or issues that are common to certain types of constructions or certain types of properties? You mentioned properties that may sit at the top of a cliff or you know at the bottom of a gully having certain things that you would look for. Are there any other sorts of constructions or any other types of homes that have certain common problems? There certainly are, especially when you're looking at different eras of builds. Certain things like ground clearances, having gardens built right up against the home, it was something that for whatever reason was was done aesthetically or for just love, but having vegetation growing up against the base of certain types of cladding, especially when we talk about plaster homes and not having the ability to breathe. We often talk in our building reports into people around homes that have a lot of vegetation around it, plants that are overgrown, growing against cladding. The cladding doesn't have a chance to dry out. It doesn't have a chance to breathe. So we find on a a room that's south-facing that has large trees and never gets the sun, those rooms are generally damper. And again, our job is to go in there and determine that. Why is it damp? Is it these contributing factors? Or is it the fact that there actually is an issue going on with maybe the roof or cladding? But it's all those certain things. So it is hard to sum up common issues. But I mean, what we're looking at is older weatherboard homes, you know, have they been regularly painted? Have they been tidied up where maybe some rot has occurred, it's okay to put some bog in there and paint over it. It just means that it needs to be done more regularly. And plaster homes, cracking does occur. Plaster's a solid product. It's not designed to flex. It's not designed to move. And and when it does, when we have earthquakes, when we have natural events, when we have settling, when we have large developments that are happening all, all over Hamilton at the moment, ground movement will occur. So when these issues start to arise, that's when you know it's really important to get that maintenance happening. 
So what I'm hearing is it's a reasonably comprehensive uh, report that you're putting together based on a whole lot of knowledge and, and facts, but are there any other services that people can add to a building inspection other than just the straight, hey, listen, can you look at this building inspection yourself, or is it all-encompassing? Uh, it's not all-encompassing. There are different services that building inspection companies will offer. So one thing that probably isn't as prevalent now but still is a factor is methamphetamine testing. There was a huge hype over that. You know, we're talking five, six years ago. But I think our cooks and, and our manufacturers have, have become a little bit more smart and realise now that houses are going to be tested. So it's certainly not as prevalent, but it is a, a service that other companies will provide. Moisture testing for most companies is a standard practice, but in some cases it is an additional service that people uh, may want to add. And I would advise adding that. Moisture testing, the devices that most of us use are very good and 99% of the time are very accurate if they're used in the right way. Asbestos is something that's come up and, and uh, Neil will know this, it's, it's come up more lately with again banks and solicitors just being a little bit more careful I guess around things but it's something that's not easily able to be tested. Products pre-1990s, fibre cement products pre-1990s often may have traces of asbestos in it. But I guess what people get a little bit concerned about is, is the presence rather than the effect. And what I mean by that is the potential risk of asbestos is a respiratory issue. So it's breathing it in. So if the product is solid and in a good solid state and painted well and well looked after, then it actually poses no threat. It might be a I wouldn't say issue, but it might become uh, something that you need to look at if you're looking at replacing the garage in a few years and the whole thing's clad in fibre cement. But unless you're doing major renovations, 90% of the time it, it isn't an issue. The hard thing for building inspectors is, and even real estate agents, it's not something that we can just look at and go, that's asbestos. And it's the same with our plaster ceilings inside homes. You can walk in and think, possibly, but it's not something that we can actually just go, that's got asbestos in it. So the only way to know is, is through testing. And that's usually done through an accredited person or perhaps through an accredited laboratory. So for example, I'm not a trained, qualified asbestos tester, but I do know how to do it safely. And I put that through an accredited lab. So those are few of the services um, that are on offer. I mentioned moisture testing. Thermal imaging is also something that gets brought up every now and then. Ourselves, we don't do it. The one thing that I always say to people is if you are using somebody who does thermal imaging, make sure they know how to use that machine well or properly because nothing's foolproof. Nothing can actually let us see directly behind that cladding. It, it is interpretation and again it comes down to an opinion. So those are a few of the services that really are on offer as well as a building inspection. So what doesn't a building inspection cover? What are the, some of the things that people may expect or in your um, experience, people may expect that they've covered and it's outside the scope of uh, what a building inspection does? Yeah, a few things, Jeremy. So often we'll identify an issue and the first question is how much to replace that or how much to fix it. Whilst I myself am a qualified builder, I haven't uh, swung a hammer professionally in uh, maybe 10 years. And so that's 10 years that I've been out of the game and not knowing the increase of prices or or anything like that. We're in a very short, limited time on site as well. Uh, an hour and a half or two hours may seem like a long time to inspect a house. And to be fair, it is, but it still doesn't give us that time to start doing measure ups and that sort of thing. I hope I don't get myself in trouble by saying this, but sometimes you can 
throw a figure out there, but it's very hard because some people take it literally and they just can't. So one thing that we don't do is provide costs, estimates, or a real focus of repair. So a building report won't actually detail for you step-by-step how to fix the problem. But what it is there to do is to identify the problem and then give you advice on what to do next. So it might be Paint is cracking on the windowsills. This just needs sanding and repainting and tidying up. Could be quite simple. Showers leaking has caused visible damage. A registered builder should be coming in to have a look at this and provide a scope of works, which can also incorporate costings and a time frame around that. Other things, drainage, underground services, uh, where water may go, electrical, plumbing, Again, we look at those things. We're looking at, is this tap working today? We can't determine exactly if it has all been done correctly because we're not electricians, we're not plumbers. But we should be able, with our experience, to have a visible look and say, that wiring doesn't quite look right. You know, I've got a bit of concern because um, there's a couple of exposed wires in the ceiling and if you get vermin in there, then it could present a risk. So again, we say it would be advised to engage with an electrician. And what it's doing, is again it goes back to the whole purpose of our job is is we're telling people the things that they need that we think they need to be aware of so there's no hidden surprises we don't have a crystal ball unfortunately and we can only determine what we see on the day and I used an example of drainage on a beautiful sunny day in Hamilton we can't see how the house performs under heavy rain there might be evidence from previous rain but generally you can't see but we do look at what is the surface drainage? We can't see underneath. You know, we just can't see all those little intricacies of, of what happens day to day. But again, we should be experienced enough in our job to be able to identify those areas and at least say, hey, Jeremy, I, I don't think that this is currently an issue. It appears to be performing well, but it would be my advice to monitor it and be aware that you may need to clean out those drains five times a year rather than just leaving them. So again, trying to provide you with a clear understanding of the current state of the home so that you can make an informed decision and you can sit there and go, Ryan's identified X, Y, Z, I'm happy with all those, I can fix those, I can do this, we're happy with the home. So if I just summarise that, it sounds like it's there to identify the issue and point you in the right direction but not solve the problem for you. Yep, yep, correct. If I'm going to circle back because I, I hear you talking about what Uh, your company does and what others might do and are they qualified to use that equipment? And and if I can just circle back to the way that the um, industries developed over time, which we started in the first part of this segment, are all building inspection companies created equal? Is there any certification? What does the professionalism in the business look like? Yeah, it's a a really great point, Jeremy. And every time I, I do seminars or talk to people, I always make this point. Our industry is not regulated. And I don't think that's right, but look, that's just the way it is. So the short answer is, no, you don't have to be qualified to be a building inspector. But what you do have to do is produce a document. Now, if your bank is stipulating that you must have a building report, or if it's part of your conditions to have a building report, 9.9 times out of 10, it won't be good enough to have your mate who's a builder just write on a piece of paper, everything was fine. Especially in the cases where your bank is stipulating that you need a report, they might have certain areas that they 
stipulate have to be inspected and have to be commented on and have to be in the report. So my advice to people is whilst the industry isn't regulated, when I engage with a building inspector, I would be saying, what are your qualifications? Because again, whilst we're not regulated, there are organisations that we can be a part of and registered with. Boynes, the Building Officials Institute of New Zealand is one, New Zealand Institute of Building Inspectors, NZIBI is another. And what they do for building inspectors, and we've been a part of both of those organisations, what they do is provide support for us. We're also assessed regularly each year where we have to send in random reports which get scrutinised by them, and it's all to help us be better. So again, no, it's not regulated, but my biggest advice is that there are qualified building inspectors out there who understand their role, who understand the requirements. Now, whilst there's no regulatory authority, there are New Zealand standards that we must follow in order for it to be a residential property inspection, and those are the residential property inspection standards. So they provide guidelines or a scope of what we must cover in a building inspection, but not so much the report. So in summary, do your homework on your, on the company you intend to uh, engage because they're not all created equal. No, they're not. And my advice to people is ask. If your friend has bought a house and they used a building inspection company, ask them who they used. Ask them how they found them. Most building inspection companies can provide a sample report. Neil and I were catching up earlier and I said to him, Neil, if you go down to McDonald's and you buy a Big Mac, you know what you're buying, you're happy with the price, you know what to get. Well, when you're spending $600, $700, $800 on a building report, my advice would be find out what you're actually paying for because the difference in building reports can be two pages to 50 pages. And this isn't, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but I do know of an inspection company that only put moisture testing results in their report if they're high. So if they're all fine, they just say, that's all good. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I prefer to have evidence of my testing in there. But what they're saying is, hey, if there's no photos there, then it's all good, guys. Like, don't worry about it. But again, people might want to see in their report, well, you've actually tested this room and tested that room. So no, not everything is created equal. Interesting. Neil, if I can just bring you in uh, here, because as Ryan brought up, building inspections cost money and there are lots of buyers out there who uh, feel that a building inspection report may be either uh, a waste of money or a waste of time. How as you as a salesperson do you deal with that? What is the sort of guidance that you give somebody who might be inclined to shy away from a building inspection? Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Yeah, it's a question we're often asked, should we worry about a building report? Obviously, yeah, each property is different in construction, age, design, cladding types. That is, a newer build consented by council, you may be safe to proceed without an inspection report. However, other properties may have issues easily missed by the untrained eye and cost you thousands of dollars to put right in the future. So a few hundred dollars on a building inspection, in this case, would have been money well spent. On the other side of the sale, let's take a look at a vendor. What happens when a vendor tries to, um, say, hide a fault or um, sort of ask you to actually uh, ignore something? Have you come across that before? No, thankfully, no, I haven't. But, um, yeah, if a vendor knowingly is hiding an issue, not being upfront and disclosing that issue or defect, I'd have to take the line of not being able to take that listing on 
or be interested in taking it on. And I'd have to suggest they found another company. Yeah, and I think it's also one of the things that um, I've seen salespeople do when a vendor has tried to actually mask something up or hide it, is actually highlight to them that it's likely that the buyer is going to get a building inspection. It's likely the building inspector is actually going to uncover that. And when they uncover it, all of a sudden it can crumble the sale. And we're better to actually take care of it up front and either get it fixed or disclose it so that the vendor can factor that into their offer. And it's not a surprise to them when a building inspector comes up. Yeah, I just want to jump in there, Jeremy, because that I think that is a key part, is that if it's already been disclosed and I come along and identify it, well, it doesn't actually matter. No because surprise. It's, yeah, it's been disclosed. It's, it's what we're finding are the things that either haven't been disclosed or the things that people aren't aware of. And look, genuinely, most people are pretty good. And when we do find issues on the home, they're surprised and most people want to get it fixed. And Neil and I spoke earlier, everything can be fixed. So the more they actually know as they're listening and disclosed, the better. I, I guess people are wanting to end up with what they think they're actually Actually buying. So from a vendor disclosure point of view, you know, if they can disclose those things, there's no surprises or they can get them fixed. So if we just take a look at that, you know, should a vendor be getting a building inspection report prior to listing their property? And should they provide that to a purchaser? Or what does that actually look like? There's no responsibility on behalf of the vendor to provide a building report. However, it's beneficial to confirm to intending purchasers, there are no issues present. We would still recommend to any purchaser they obtain their own independent advice. Yeah, so if the vendor does have concerns about the property, then they may want to actually uncover them themselves so that they're not surprised by a purchaser's inspection and they may want to get things fixed. But if they're quite satisfied in their own property, they've maintained it well over time, they don't expect that a building inspection will uncover anything, then um, it may just well be left to the purchasers to undertake their own. Yeah, exactly. Totally get that. I'm also curious to know from the both of you, do you have any horror stories for us uh, that you've come across? I mean, you both vastly experienced. <laughs> the, there must have been the uh, the odd incident over time where you've gone, oh, I didn't expect that, and, you know, <laughs> things are going awry. Yeah. Certainly a Who couple of to, those. Which, I'll, I'll go first got? on that one. Yeah, You'll go first, Neil? <laughs> yeah, well, personally, I haven't had any experience in that respect, but um, I have had cases where you know, ultimately it's helped resolving issues that have come about for purchases, either by way of getting a vendor to agree to repair those issues or even getting a price adjustment afterwards. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah I've, I've been in a few situations. I mean, we, you know, like you, we're going into people's homes. So sometimes you expect to see things. We have a bit of a rule in our company where the camera's always on. So we always go in with the assumption that there are cameras everywhere and, and more than likely these days there are. So I've seen a few uh, things that sort of make you stand back and go, I don't want to be in this in this room. It feels like it's actually set up for me to be caught, you know, doing or f- taking photos of something. And I think that's the hardest thing about our job is I go around, I take photos inside people's homes. So we're very respectful of that. You know, we try not to get family photos and that sort of thing. But I've been in a few situations, let's say, where items have been left out and you sort of stand there going, I'm going to slowly walk back and I'm going to pretend like I wasn't in here. But we're honest. We In our report, it'll be there were delicate items in this room and it was not fully inspected. And, and you know, it gives uh, us the chance to go back and inspect it properly when it's clean or anything. But the horror story, I guess, I have is uh, not too long ago, I went and did a building inspection, walked around the back and saw a beautiful new deck that was built. 
everything looked good, looked like it was very well constructed. Just looking at it, it was quite high. It was above 1.5 metres, so a newer deck on this older home would have required consent. So in the back of my mind, look, we can't say exactly when it was built. So the consent, so sort of not to digress too much, but that commenting on whether this is legal or consents is a little bit... Um, it changes over time. It does, Jeremy. It's not black and white. So, for example, in this case, I looked at this deck and thought, oh, well, it would have needed consent, blah, blah, blah. When stood on it, solid as anything, went underneath, and this deck with piles that are two metres high was secured with gun nails, and that's it, and four gun nails, and that was it. There's no angle braces, there's no connections, there's no people familiar with building terms, Z-nails, galvanised straps, no nothing. And I'm sitting there going, whoa, this is not right. Now, this deck was built on top of another deck, and the piles underneath uh, where it's been secured on top of the other deck was just, again, fixed by gun nails into the timber decking. So it's one source of securing was 12 mil queeler decking. And I'm standing back going, this is not right. So first of all, I'm going, there's no way this can have consent. But then I'm thinking, what if it does? What if someone from council has signed this off and it's not right? So I've found issues. I carry on doing my inspection and uh, sure enough, I get a call from my client a couple of days later or a day later and she's a little bit freaked out by it and, you know, what's the issue? There's this, there's this, there's this. And I said, well, first of all, I said, there's one issue. Does the deck have consent? And she said, what is, you know, what does that mean? And I said, if it has consent, I said, someone from the council is going for an absolute skate here. I said, because it's not built to code. I said, it's not built to the basics of the code. I said, but it's still, you know, in good nick, blah, blah, blah. And she said, okay, well, what if it doesn't have consent? And I said, well, the problem if it doesn't have consent is it needed it. I said, so what you've gotten is an illegal deck, and as soon as you sign on the dotted line, this is your problem. It's not his anymore or theirs. It's your problem, so I have to make you aware of this. So one other thing was that underneath the deck, the timber that they had used was all rough sawn timber. Now, in my opinion, it was all to size, all looked fine, but I would have thought that it would need to be stress-graded timber to carry that load and be safe and everything. So I guess long story short, what had happened was the client came back to me and said, you know, what do I need to do? And I said, well, find out again if it's been consented or not, then you can make a decision. A week and a half later, there was a sold sticker up on that house. Now, what happened, I'd love to know what transpired there, but I would assume that a agreement has been made because my client was able to raise that with the owner and say, hey, there's an issue here. The owner has been made aware of it and I'd say have been caught out to a point. And again, a decision has been made. And so what Neil said before was exactly right. Look, a building inspection, Jeremy, I find hard because it's a negative process. I'm not there to look at how good the house is. I'm actually there to look at all the issues. So it's a very negative process. But it doesn't mean that a deal will just fall over. It doesn't mean that it has to fall over. What it means is that we've identified issues that people can then go back and have an honest conversation with and maybe negotiate. And from the face of it, those two parties got what they wanted. My client got the house that they really wanted to buy and the vendor has sold it and they wanted to sell, whether... You know, what happened in between doesn't matter. Deal advanced. That's right. Yeah. Good story. Let me recast this for you, Neil, because you were a builder for 30, 40 years before you got into uh, real estate. So have there ever been a situation where you've gone through a house, thought this house is mint, but it's still required a building inspection, and the building inspection has actually uncovered something that even you yourself missed or were surprised by? 
Yeah, definitely. Mainly it comes to moisture readings, which obviously not visible. It's well worth getting the inspection done and getting those moisture checks, particularly in bathroom areas, around windows and what have you. So that's probably the only thing. Generally, we've got a pretty good yes. idea of, of how, you know, things are going to perform. But what it's, what it's really doing for me, like listening to these stories, it's just cementing in my own mind the, the absolute need for a uh, building inspection when there are things that you yourself can't yeah. see given your vast experience. And when Ryan comes in and takes a different look at it with through a different lens, through a different process, it really can uncover things that people need to be aware of and things that vendors themselves may uh, simply be ignorant to. I often use the the phrase, we're the head, you're the heart. When you've found your dream home, and you might have been looking for months, years maybe, and you've found your dream home, and how many times do you walk through and go, oh, I won't worry about that, doesn't, I don't care, I don't care. Well, we've got no invested interest. It doesn't worry me whether my client gets the home or not. I hope that they do because I know how hard it is to find a home and find your dream home, so I hope they do. But on the other side, again, it's just trying to make them aware of what they're buying so they can make that informed decision. But as I say, we go in there with no ties to the home. We've got no financial, no personal, no interest in it whatsoever. We're just there as an independent party. And I'll tell all of our listeners, when I bought my first home, which was only five years ago now, I had my father-in-law look at it for me, he found three things. This probably doesn't sound very good for me, yeah. but he found three things that I didn't look at. Yeah. But I didn't actually look at them because you were looking, I didn't care. Because you yeah. were looking with your heart, right? Yeah, and I, and I didn't care because I didn't even see the home. And I went home. To, I'd just been told about this house. And I walked into my house and I said to my wife after the, after the day's work, I said, honey, I've just found our first home. And she said, where is it? And I said, I'm not exactly sure. She said, what? I said, I'm not quite sure. And she said, well, what, you know, what's it constructed out of? I said, I, I don't know, brick, I think. And she said, have you seen this house? I said, no, I haven't. But I know from what this guy's told me, this is our opportunity. Now, it was a bit of a do up. We needed to do work, but I'm a builder and I was more than happy to spend my weekends doing that. So, but again, my father-in-law comes up to me. Oh, did you notice there was that bit of rot on the window? I was like, uh, no, because I didn't care. I didn't care because I'd already fallen in love with it. <laughs> Just um, It highlights a point that's uh, quite common across these um, podcasts that we've been doing is that good information begets good decisions. So make sure you get out there and, and find that knowledge and find that information. Well, I'm just going to uh, lead into our closing now. It's all really we've got time for, but... Before I do so, I want to circle back to our uh, regular feature, Two Truths and a Lie. So starting with uh, you, Ryan, you had three statements there at the start. Which one of them was actually fiction? Yeah, well, the one that was fiction is uh, all building reports are the same. It doesn't matter who you use as long as they're a builder. There is a statement in our New Zealand standards that says, whilst all these areas must be inspected, it is up to the inspector as to which ones are reported on. So that means that if I walk through a house and it is absolutely perfect apart from some paint cracking on a windowsill that maybe I just want to make people informed of, that's all my report actually has to say. As long as it's done by a professional like me, it can include what I deem necessary, which can, in my opinion, create potential cause of alarm for some people where they go, well, did he do it? 
you know, did he inspect all these rooms? And the thing that I like about our reports in particular, and a lot of other building reports out there, don't get me wrong, is that photographs are evidence, isn't it? It's evidence to show that you've actually been there. So again, just very quickly, ask for a sample report. If you're engaging with a building inspector, say, hey, can I see a sample report? So you've got a bit of an idea about what you're getting. Nice. I like that. And Neil, what was the uh, one lie that uh, came in your three right. statements? Well, the one I had, Ryan covered this off. A building report will include cost estimates to fix or repair highlighted issues, and that's clearly not the case. They make no comment as to what things. No, no. Find the problem, direct them in the right direction, yeah, exactly. and they need to get their own costs from yep. uh, you know a professional or, a, or or another expert. For yep. sure. Nice. Yep. I like that. Well, listeners, that's all we've got time for today. Thanks very much to our guests this morning, Ryan Galbranson and Neil Archer. Make sure you subscribe to The Home Truths and we'll be back next time with some more great insights into the real estate industry. Thanks for joining us on the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths podcast. Learn more about today's topic and our panel guests by visiting our website, lodge.co.nz.